Welcome to episode 42. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render. On the show today, I talk to actress, comedian, writer, and producer Sarah J. Halstead. She's a very funny lady. If you haven't checked out her comedy, I definitely recommend that you do. Uh, you can check her out. You can check her stand-up out live on December 8th at Flappers in Los Angeles, California. It is a fundraiser for the Flint, Michigan water crisis, and that's her hometown, so it's near and dear to her. Filled with a bunch of comedians from Detroit. You'll hear us talk about it in the show, and it will be in the show notes as well, so you definitely want to uh, check that out. It'll, it'll be a fun time, plus you'll get the help out a good cause in this episode we talk about uh her journey to becoming an actor and uh some detours that she took along the way where she uh, gets her comedy from she shares some advice she got from comedian alonzo bowden along with some advice of her own if uh you are not looking to laugh at all really don't think you want to have a good time i wouldn't recommend listening to this episode at all but if you're in for a fun time, in for some laughs, definitely want to tune in for this one with actress and comedian Sarah J. Halstead. How are you doing, Sarah? And welcome to Uncontained. I am doing awesomely. Thank you so much for having me, Aaron. No problem. Thank you for coming on. Will you just take a second? I know you have kind of a journey of how you got to where you are, starting in New York, actually. Could you yeah. tell us how you got from play acting to what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. Um, I was in the 90s. I, um, I was living in New York City, and I was studying acting. Um, and I had some success. I've, I booked a lot of um, theater and uh, some non-union commercials, and uh, I did a lot of co-star for soap operas. And um, I really, you know, at the time, I, I just wasn't feeling successful at all and just wasn't enjoying the process. And when I turned 26, uh, my mom had just passed away of cancer, and the, it was it was really, her, oh. her passing was really hard on me. And I just wanted to take yeah. a break from drama and I thought, I thought, you know, 26, I really should have had my break by now. So I walked away from it, just did not realize, you know, that I was all, that I was doing pretty well. Like thinking back, I'm like, damn, you know, co-starring <laughs> for, for soap operas and, and doing, you know, like some really good theater work and, you know, but I, I just didn't see it as such. And I was pretty hard on myself and I just needed a break. And so I walked away at 26 and, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I moved to Miami. Um, I got married and um, I got into the, the wine and champagne business. And I did that for about 15 years on the corporate side. And it was I mean, it was ultimately sales. And it was it was great. I mean, it was, um, you know, I traveled the world. I I visited all the the most renowned, you know, champagne and wine regions and got to know, you know, oh yeah, it was really badass. It really was. I mean, tasted the best wines and really got to know, you know, like I know my grapes and, you know, my, (laughs) and you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a fun little niche of a trade. This was in a oak barrel that was started (laughs) on fire three times. Yeah. Yeah. That's. 
exactly I live up right. in I live <laughs> I live close to Napa, so I I, I went on a tour yeah. and you know, heard a few you know. things, but I can't I can't tell you like what wood or you know what grape is in what like hey, that wine is dry. Yeah, right. <laughs> that no, one's it, red. That's it, my yeah, extent. You know, and it, it can get pretty pretentious too, you know, and sometimes it was like hard to differentiate, you know, who really knew the, their stuff and who was just bullshitting, you know, because it is like any art, it was also subjective, you yeah. know, how, I mean, you know, cause your palette, people are going to like different things, you know, so, you know, some, some of these wine critics uh, would, you know, rate these wines and, you know, give it a 100, they just thought it was outstanding, but who were they really to tell to, to tell other people what they experienced on their palate? You know, I never really got that. So exactly, if experts <laughs> knew what they were talking about and knew the public's taste, uh, stuff like yeah. Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, none of that would exist. <laughs> Concurred. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was just. I mean, it was a fun little. Uh, I mean, definitely a, a path. You know that. It derailed me from the acting, but for a long time, it really, I found it very fulfilling for a while. And then eventually it just ran its course. Yeah. And I couldn't stop thinking about acting and, and having that creative outlet. So I started, you know, when I was working for this champagne company called Laurent Perrier, and they were, you know, I, I did my job really, it, it was, it was really just kind of easy um, it was an easy gig, to be honest. And I, I think, you know, when you're an actor and when you do something, you know, post acting, it, I, I think actors can really do anything, you know, because acting is such a difficult one of the one of the most difficult endeavors to achieve. So, you know, when they decide to do something else, I think they kind of have an easier time unless it's like a doctor, or an astronaut or something, you know, but, <laughs> But sales, you know, that should be that's pretty easy for an actor. So the wine business was just kind of easy for me. And um, I was at this really great company and um, they let me write a play about the champagne business, um, okay. about the history of champagne. And they let me produce it and they financed it. Oh, so that's that, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And that sort of gave me the bug to, you know, just that feeling of create creating something out of nothing. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and, and having it work and and people liking it and people clapping at the end of the play and, you know, and having it be successful. It was just so rewarding. And and uh, and I was also doing comedy um, on the down low and I was going out and, you know, clubs in Miami and um, I was dressed as an alter ego. Uh, my my alter ego, her name was Carly with a heart over the eye. And she Ooh, wore with like, the heart uh, over the eye. Yeah, <laughs> not just Carly with the dot with a heart. <laughs> uh, I thought that was just you know so original. And I had uh, these uh, like super uh, power superhero bathing suits or leotards that I would wear with a cape and roller sneakers, and you know, and I would just like do the you know just get crazy. Uh, you know, I at the time you know I I divorced. And so this was, you know, post my divorce. I don't have kids. So it's okay. just kind of weird and I just needed a creative outlet. So yeah, something to take your mind off of it and plus, you know, express your freedom at the moment too. Exactly. Yeah. The the champagne biz has just kind of grown dismal for me, you know, and I just needed something else to do. 
so yeah, it was that, that's kind of how it all started. And I thought, you know, uh, I'm just really not happy, um, in the wine business any longer. And I, I just needed a change. I wasn't really happy in Miami. I never really felt like I fit in. And so I sold my house and I liquidated all of my belongings and I rented a 30 foot RV and I just started driving West and okay. yeah. And I didn't really have a plan and, uh, and you know, on my way to, you know, as I was driving and I was like staying in these really cool trailer parks and I was like, you know, really growing a fondness for RV living and <laughs> learning how to, you know, change my sewer pipes. And I was feeling real like badass, you know, and uh, a woman of the earth. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Very bohemian, you know, and wearing my cowboy boots. And I was staying at this trailer park called Pecan Grove in Austin, Texas. And I and that's kind of when I had the epiphany that the last time I was really happy um, and feel and felt really very fulfilled is when I was an entertainer in my 20s in New York City. So I thought, well, I'll just head to L.A. and see what happens. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how I got here. Awesome. So you started out acting in New York before that. You uh, you're originally from Flint, Michigan, correct? Yes. Yep. And uh, so, I don't know, between Michael Moore <laughs> and you, has anything else come out of Flint, Michigan? <laughs> don't you know Ready for the World, the song Oh, Sheila? Okay, okay, I know this song. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to overstep my bounds there. But <laughs> I have heard that song. I did not know they were from Flint. Uh, 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 oh, Sheila. Yeah, man. That's uh, Flint, Michigan for you. <laughs> Flint's finest right there. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, um, you know, it. yeah. I, I mean, it is kind of funny, you know, that I, you know, because where I'm from, you, I mean, it's, it was just kind of unheard of to be involved in the arts and, and to make a living. Um, it's a, a very a industrial town, right? It is. It is. It's the home of General Motors and... My, you know, when I was really young, my dad worked at GM and uh, my mom was a homemaker and, you know, it was, we were happy. I have an older brother and we were, you know, um, it was just a really humble, simple, happy life. And, uh, and then General Motors eventually just disintegrated. It just, and it was really just terrible times for the community and Flint just never really recouped. I mean, it, it went from like middle class or like humble middle class to lower and lower. And, you know, then they started demolishing buildings. So they didn't have to pay taxes. And it just it just turned into a shit show. And it's like when you think it can't get any worse, it does. Yeah. And, yeah. It, it just, yeah. So now, you know, we're dealing with this Flint water crisis and, you know, some, you know, people that just don't want to take responsibility for making that decision. So that's kind of really frustrating. What caused the Flint water crisis? Do you know or? Um, well, <laughs> a lot of people are pointing. I mean, there, there are a lot of different theories, but it's my understanding that they changed their water source to save money and that it was ultimately Governor Rick Snyder's decision um, but Governor Rick Snyder is not taking responsibility and saying that it was, you know, other people on his team 
Um, but ultimately he should really take responsibility. So when he switched water and, and gosh, I hope, I hope I'm not, you know, um, uh, misquoting myself, but they, they switched water sources. I want to say from Lake Huron to the, to the Flint river. And, uh, when they switched to the Flint river, something about the chemical balance, it had an imbalance with the, with the pipes and it, uh, um, some something happened chemically where lead, uh, uh, the, the pipes leaked lead into the water, and uh-huh. uh, and as you know, our, our most susceptible pore or may, I don't know, I don't know if you know. I mean, I I know because I I did a I mean I, I kind of care about this you know organic living and our most susceptible uh, organ is our skin and our pores, and so people are bathing in this poisonous water, and the. The, the ones that are really affected negatively are, are the children because they're still developing. Yeah, so I didn't this, even think oh, about bathing in it. I was just thinking drinking it. But yes, like bathing in it probably has a horrible effect on you too. It's really the bathing that's the main problem and concern because really you can get away with uh, drinking, you know, filtered water, you know, bottled water. Um, but But it's such a hindrance to to bathe in bottled water can you imagine trying to shower with bottles of you know i mean it's i mean who's gonna do that yeah yeah so it's it's really just and it's been two years and they're rectifying it supposedly but it's it's gonna it's gonna take a long time to rectify and the fact that this happened in our country and you know if it were maybe a, a like a bloomfield hills or or a you know a higher end community i i think that that it probably would have been rectified from the get-go, but that it was Flint and these people just, you know, they don't really have a voice and it was just grossly ignored until it was too late. And so that's, that's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. But you have a, you actually have a benefit coming up for Flint, correct? I do. It's uh, um, at Flappers Comedy Club, December 8th in Burbank. And every single penny, I, I have nine amazingly talented comics, and they're all from Michigan. And uh, I mean, these ta- these comics are really some of the best in the nation. I can't even believe they said yes. Uh, some of them are very, you know, upcoming stars of tomorrow, and others are just, you know, really doing amazing. Like their careers are really taking off, and they're in this comedy show. And every penny that we raise. Um, is going to be donated to the Flint water crisis. Um, and I'm going to personally deliver the check to the foundation in Flint when I, when I go to, um, when I go home for Christmas. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Do you want to plug any of the comics that are taking time to lend a hand to the cause? Oh, and absolutely. Uh, Shonda Leah white, who is a Flint native. She's in the lineup. Um, Mike Bobbitt, Ron Taylor, Ricarlo Flanagan, uh, Mira Monique, Trevor Smith, and the owner of Flappers, who uh, used to live in Michigan, um, Dave Rennitz, uh, and I am emceeing. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, it, it should just be a great show. Awesome. And what day is that again? I'll put it in the show notes, too. It's uh, December 8th um, at 8 p.m. at Flappers Comedy Burbank in the main room. Great. So make sure you make it out to that if you're anywhere near the L.A. area. And what we're talking about causes, you have one more cause that I saw on your website that's uh, near and dear to you. You want to talk about that for a brief minute before we move on? 
Sure. It's uh, ovarian cancer research. And my mom, whom I was really close, she was my best friend, and she passed away of ovarian cancer in 1999. She was only 48 years old and uh, way, way, way too young to die. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, uh, the nickname of ovarian cancer is the silent killer because by the time you find um, the side effects, it's, it's really too late. Uh, you're usually when, when you start to really feel uncomfortable, it's usually in stage four. So oh. it's just very, very difficult uh, to detect. And um, so, you know, there, there are, you know, certain tests that you can do just annually, just, you know, just to be overly cautious for women. And, um, and I'm very involved with that. And I'll have a fundraiser in June of 2017 for ovarian cancer. And just raising awareness is really um, my quest on on ovarian cancer research. I'm glad that you're actually out doing something to help the the two causes that you believe in. That that's really great. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I try. That's all we can do, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know, that's more than a lot of people do. So, Sarah, now you're out in LA. Um, you're doing commercial acting, comedy, and uh, what else are you involved in? I am involved in like, uh, you know, whatever, whatever I can do um, to make a living as a creative. So right now, admittedly, I'm throwing a lot of pasta on the wall. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that expression, throw all the pasta on the wall and see what sticks. That's how you know when it's done. You know, <laughs> my grandma yeah. was Italian. I know. I know. Right. So like, I'm, you know, I'm just like throwing gluten free wheat, you know, egg noodle, whatever. Well, that <laughs> gluten free know. noodle sticks to everything, <laughs> oh, including is that, itself. Is that what it is? So that would be my comedy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To shake it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I so, you know, I'm just sort of, um, you know, when you're when you're an actor, you know, in 2016, it's just not enough to just be an actor unless you're already a big name. People expect you to be doing a lot more. And, um, you know, they expect you to create your content now. And agents and casting directors, one of the first things they ask uh, in an audition, how many followers do you have? You know, because if you're not a name, your chances of landing a pretty decent role is larger if you have a social media following so it's just kind of it's just stupid you know that's yeah. really it's really dumb but it, it's it's the day and age we're living and so um you know so I'm, I'm trying to just you know create relevance and I mean you can't you can't create followers just by existing you have to do like interesting shit <laughs> you know so <laughs> So I'm like just, you know, doing the comedy. I mean, gr granted, I, I have passion. I love everything I do. I love going out to the comedy clubs. Um, I try to do open mics as many times as humanly possible at night. And I usually have like two shows a month. I would do more if I could, but the acting kind of gets in the way. Um, but I love comedy. So that's that's one of my pasta noodles. And then, uh, <laughs> and then during the day, um, I'm, if I'm not auditioning, I'm filming something, um, you know, I usually do like two commercials a week and uh, you know, that where I'm just booked, uh, I usually play a really boring PTA mom, but whatever it pays the bills. <laughs> and, um, and if I'm lucky, I, I book like a TV spot or like a film, an interesting film 
And, uh, and if I don't have that going on, then I just make the film. So, um, I, I created my first film last spring called meet the roommate. It was a, a comedy short about a middle-aged realtor from Flint, Michigan, going through a midlife crisis. Okay. <laughs> so she goes to, she, uh, goes to college, she goes back to school and she has these two young roommates and she's just really eccentric and it's fish out of water kind of thing. And I dedicated it to the Flint water crisis and, um, submitted it to some festivals and it was fun. I learned a lot. And, and you uh, were the lead writer and producer in that, correct? Yes. Yes, that's correct. And, you know, that's just kind of, we, we have the ability to create our content now. It's, it's really exciting to be a creative because there are a lot more opportunities today, you know, with social media and Netflix and Amazon and Hulu, you know, it's not all about major networks any longer, Yeah. you know, so it's, uh, and you know, with the, the festivals and submitting and, you know, and, and just like, you can grow your brand on YouTube, you know, on, on Instagram. I mean, it's, it's really kind of crazy. So yeah, if, 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 if you're not getting the right role, you may as well create it, you know? So what's I, your, what's your favorite type of role to play? You mentioned you play the, like the mom or soccer mom on a lot of the commercials you're in. Yeah. Um, is that your favorite or do you have another, another type of role that you like to play? No, it's not my favorite at all. If for whatever reason, it's just kind of the easiest. I guess I just have that look right now. Um, I try not to depend on it because it's going to be short lived. I mean, I'm not always going to be, you know, at the sweet spot of a PTA mom, right? I mean, yeah. I, maybe I can be PTA grandma, uh, in about 10 years. I mean, I don't know, but it's, uh, junior I, messing up in class. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I tell you a funny story. Um, All right, I like funny stories. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This just happened this week. I, I actually turned down a job, so I have standards. I didn't realize. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I submitted, uh, it was like on LA casting. I submitted for this job, you know, a self submission and the posting just said, thriving middle-aged woman. I'm in my early forties. I don't really consider myself middle-aged, but whatever. I realize I'm no spring chicken either. So, um, I submitted and I got a call back and you know, they're like, yeah, we're really interested. And so some back and forth and finally they get back to me. Yeah, we want to book you. Um, it was a really high paying gig. Um, I had to go to, uh, San Diego, all expenses paid, putting me up in a hotel, you know, paid for my fuel. I mean, it was, it was like a really nice, really nice gig. Yeah. And, okay. We're just going to send you the W nine and the deck and, you know, just so you can prepare. I'm like, cool. I'm feeling so great. Right. And, yeah. uh, so I get the deck and it's sexual lubricant for menopausal women. and i'm like and honestly aaron the funny part is like the sexual lubricant part i probably could have worked around you know and i could have incorporated it into my stand-up comedy but as a woman pissed me off (laughs) yeah yeah that 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 sounds like it'd be the kicker are you assholes (laughs) 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 fuck you no i'm not doing it (laughs) did 
Yeah, you don't want to take that step because then the maybe next step would be like, so we got these adult diapers we want you uh, to yeah. sell. I, oh man, let me tell you, it's uh, I have that in my set. So my brand and my comedy set is aging actress in Hollywood. I mean, it is okay. what it is, and Hollywood is just appallingly just misogynistic, really appallingly so. And they, I mean, misogynistic in a way where they feel like uh, the wife should be. 20 years the junior of the husband well yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> so you know almost every almost every commercial gig i have the husband is a senior citizen and you know it just kind of bugs me and you know yeah. so, but but yeah no i have in my set that i i'm waiting for callbacks for colostomy bag commercials and you know, that I'm going out for auditions for Depends Undergarments. And <laughs> you would think of, you know, because I think I'm young, but in Hollywood, you know, they just, they want, you know, they, they want like the, the, the person who would actually need to use those products. They want, you know, the, the actor, the model to be a lot younger, you know, so it's just. So the person who has to use them doesn't feel as old, right? I don't know what the objective like, is. To okay, be yeah, that young whippersnapper's <laughs> wearing Depends in college. I can do that now. Oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's funny. It, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's part of that self-deprecation that people really, um, I don't think that they relate to it as much, but they just like someone that can be downtrodden and, you know, I mean, it's not, it's, you know, just trying to find the funny in something that could maybe be depressing, <laughs> but if you shift your paradigm <laughs> you know, and find the funny, then people like audiences love it. I get the most laughs whenever I get to that part of my set. <laughs> and that's what comedy is too. It's finding the light in the dark, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's really know, well yeah. being able to take that situation that either made you angry or embarrassed and take that and make people laugh about it while you laugh about it as well. Yes. Yeah. That that's exactly right. Okay, you do comedy. I see that you've done improv as well. I did improv a long time ago in uh, in my twenties at Caroline's on Broadway. But you know, improv is a different animal. It's really, I think that that's way more petrifying than stand up. Why do you think that? I, well, I'd like to try improv. I haven't really done improv in like a formal setting, I guess. But you've done stand up, no? I have or, done stand up. Yes, yeah. I haven't been on stage for for a while because i've been focusing on this podcast but awesome. i love it thank you for creating a platform for artists this is really cool you know i um, just want to help people get their name out there help people find out about entertainers and you know network along the way no fantastic it's it's a great opportunity and thank you for your graciousness and generosity you know and i listened to the other podcasts did some research and man, the interviews are great, really well, thank solid. You. Thank you. It's great. You know, now I get to know these comics the as well. The fifties in the mail right now. The fifty, <laughs> the fifty dollars. <laughs> Thanks, man. I need it. I don't have to do that colossomy bag commercial after all. Um, yeah, but uh, so yeah, I mean, improv is just because even with stand-up comedy, you kind of have a scripted foundation. I mean, yes, there are a lot of factors, like, as you know, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever bombed. I don't know if you've ever oh, had, yeah. 
I mean, it really is a pleasure to bomb because don't you learn so much? I mean, you I learn do. the most then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Killing I'll... it is awesome. But bombing is when you like kind of like, oh, that's not working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that's but, you know, you have a script and you learn from bombing and and you, and. You know, sometimes like a joke could work the night before or the hour before, you know, sometimes like I'll do three open mics um, in a night and, you know, I'll get like laughs at a certain joke at one venue and not at another. And same goes for shows. And I mean, there's just so much, you know, de dependent on, you know, the um, the audience and um, and then sometimes just your energy, sometimes just an expression, sometimes how you're dressed, you know? Um, so it is a little bit of a crapshoot, but improv, um, you rely on other people, you know, because you, you know, improv, you know how they, like they give, um, a situation yeah, and they like pass it on. It's like a relay race, you know, and every, you pass the torch and, you know, it goes full circle and, you know, and and I don't know. It just really petrifies me. I guess because I don't want to be the one to fuck it up. <laughs> I, <can laughs> I don't see that. Pop the, the torch, you know. <laughs> I could I could see your point of view, and also I could see like it not being as terrifying as some people may see stand up because you have other people with you too. You know, yeah. it's kind of yeah. like yeah, one night you might not be on as much. And if you have other people in your supporting cast, you know, that kind of helps you out when you're a stand up. If you're not on, you're not on and it's all you. Yeah, that's a good way of phrasing it. I guess I just don't want to disappoint other people that were on my team, you know, where it's like, if I just disappoint myself, well, I'm used to that. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah J. Halstead, a team player. <laughs> yeah so yeah improv scares me um i don't i don't quite have the gumption to do that but i did a long time ago at caroline's and and it was a good experience a lot of okay. fun i always I, liked watching whose line is it anyway and stuff like that back in the day that was great yeah and i was like i can do this oh it looks so easy doesn't it oh it does they make they're they're perfect they're awesome at it so it's like oh yeah i could take that and run with that sure and yeah. Uh, don't you hate when people give you advice on comedy, like unsolicited advice, people that have never done it before? Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I, every I just, once in a while, you will get something, you know, that's okay, I can use that. But for the most part, I have a feeling it's going to align with what you're about to say. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I recommend everybody do it at least once before you give people advice. You know, because it's it's one thing to give advice and not I, I welcome advice and encourage advice from um, <clears throat> if it's constructive. Yeah. You know, but sometimes people can really just get, you know, really mean and, and they're just inexperienced with it. And they, they really shouldn't be given, you know, dishing it out. But definitely. But I, but I have some, you know, um, some comic friends that are really successful that give me advice and I just try to take it up like a sponge What's some of the best advice that you've gotten from them? Oh, well, <clears throat> um, Alonzo Bowden. Do you know Alonzo? I have. I don't know him personally, but I've actually I, I know who he is. Yes. I've heard his comedy. Uh, we yeah, don't really hang out, but, you know, he um, yeah, he's he's wonderful. Uh, he won last comic standing twice, I believe, or, or maybe he won once and he was runner up 
gosh, he would kill me for not knowing this. I think he won twice. We'll just say he won twice. Okay. Well, <laughs> he won like four times. Yeah, four times. Exactly. He, he the man. Just uh, talk him up even more. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I met him at one of his comedy shows and um, I just kept in touch with him and he was gracious enough to meet me for coffee and give me some advice. And I felt like I had seen the Messiah. I mean, the, the, I, I was just, I was such a geek. I had my little notepad, you know, and as he's talking, I'm just writing down everything. And, um, and I, you know, something that just really stuck with me is he said, uh, you know, your closer is always usually going to be your strongest in your set. So what you want to do is you want to rotate that closer to like the middle, you want to rotate it until it's eventually at the very top of your set. Just always work on a joke that's strong enough to be your closer. Am I am I saying this correctly? He said it where it made a lot more sense. I think I understand. Like you want to basically keep coming up with stronger and stronger jokes to bring yeah. that one to the front. Right. And just always just challenge yourself and and never, you know, when you get a good set that you feel really good about, never stick to it. Just always be writing, always create new material and and take risk and and, you know, um, just don't get stuck on the same material and, and move that closer. So it's eventually at the top. So it's eventually your opener or, you know, at least, yeah. you know, in mid set. And I thought that was great advice. Um, and another thing he said, which really kind of floored me, uh, he said that actors are terrible comedians. And <laughs> okay. I, I said, really? You know, uh, because I thought that it complimented, that they complimented one another. He said, no, an actor doesn't know how to, you know, they're so scripted and they block on stage and they don't know how to go with it, you know? And, and so I really thought about that, like in the car after, you know, you know, after our meeting and I was really thinking about it and, and I, then I started studying my sets and I was really blocking on stage and I wasn't really free. It was kind of a script that I had. When memorized. you say blocking, what do you mean? Oh, I'm sorry. That's like a, a stage actors have um, blocking means that you at, at certain words within the script, you're standing or your body language is a certain way on stage. So when you say, uh, you know, whatever, um, it's, it's almost like a mark that you have at, at certain words of your set or script. And so, you know, like at, at this word, I'm going to get down and I'm going to, I'm going to be really energetic and I'm going to throw up my arms when I say this word, okay. you know, and that it's called blocking. And, so basically and, it's all planned out. It's planned out. Thank you. I don't know why I had to complicate that term. You're no, right. no, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> it's good to know. It's good to know like the the industry terms and then like get the layman version of it from me. <laughs> but yeah, he he was right, you know. And um, so I I tried to challenge myself, and I I thought, well, if I can just stand still and not be script, you know, not not be scripted and not you know, have it premeditated about where I'm going to be at a certain, you know, just stand still and, and still get the laughs and just really focus on my content and not rely on my, on my body movement and energy. So I started doing that and I bombed and bombed and bombed. And then about, you know, the 10th time <laughs> <laughs> when I, when I came up with stronger material, it works because really at the end of the day, it needs to be about the material. It needs to be, the material needs to be funny. Yeah. 
you can't rely on what you're doing with your body or, you know, it's, it's, it, I mean, sometimes you can, but, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really, you know, it's really about the material, I think, and the set and the writing. Yeah, I, I agree. But there, there are some people who are really good at physical comedy. Agreed. Um, and so it is kind of about what they do physically. But those are the people, the ones I, I believe that are truly good at that, like, say, like a Will Ferrell or uh, Jim Carrey or Chris Farley even. When they're in their zone doing their thing, you look at their eyes and it's just like they're in it. And you look at some other people's eyes that aren't quite as like physical or as, you know, crazy as they may be. They like Chris Farley, Will Ferrell, they don't even think about what they're going to do. It just happens. That's what I'm trying to say. There's some people who look, you can tell in their eyes, they're like, okay, I'm going to go jump and fall on that table. And like they have that moment of hesitation or something as they go do it. Exactly. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what Alonzo was trying to convey. And you just, yeah, that's, you just spelled it out perfectly, you know? Um, and I'm not good at spelling. You're very good tonight. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, who, um, also is, does a lot of physical, like she's a very energetic comic is Eliza Schlesinger. I don't know if you saw her latest on Netflix, but she is super body movement and you know but the thing is as she's doing it what's coming out of her mouth is really fucking funny you know so it's kind of the both like her content is really strong and the fact that she adds that energetic persona on top of it it's just uh, yeah i I don't think i've seen her new set uh i might have to check that out it's on netflix now netflix right now yeah her latest set she has a couple of um netflix specials but it's her and both of them are very good but this last one she's even more you know she just really gets into um you know she's practically doing aerobics up there and it's just hilarious all right cool i'll definitely have to check that out (laughs) and make it a netflix night or something yeah Uh, unfortunately i'm not sponsored by netflix but maybe maybe if i keep talking about them that's right (laughs) (laughs) you and i both (laughs) yeah there we go um so, yeah, and I, I want to throw one more thing in about uh, the first piece of advice that you got from Alonzo about uh, closing with your strongest joke and making it uh, your first joke. I've always tried to mirror a stand-up set after, like, a rock concert set, you know? Oh. Like, you open with a strong joke or a strong song. Maybe they not their most popular song, not the biggest, newest song that everybody's there to hear. But one that's going to be like, catch their attention, grab them, be like, okay, yes, this band rocks or this guy's funny. Then then as you go through, you, if there is a dip, you know, you're going to have the dip in the middle. Then t- towards the end, you build back up to that uh, to that that one joke, the one joke that everybody's there to see or the song that everybody's there to hear. And I that's your that. closer. Oh, I love that analogy so much. Are you a musician? I am not a musician, but I had a lot of musician friends, and I worked at a rock station for seven years when I lived in Iowa. Ah, Iowa. Wow. That's where I'm from. Oh, okay. Originally. Wow. Cool. Um, very cool. 
I love that analogy. I'm going to think about that at my next show. All right. You can you can blow people's minds with it if you want later. Yes. And I'll Maybe. tell you about it and I'll send you a thank you note. All right. All right. <laughs> If not, it's not going to be a thank you note. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be like you taking credit for it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, that's cool. So what advice do you have for upcoming actors, comedians, or, you know, musicians, if uh, you will? Because I know you play piano, too, correct? I play piano, yeah. Not, you know, I just play for my own, you know, personal enjoyment. Um, it's a really nice outlet, but yeah, you know, I, um, I would have to say, just don't quit. You know, I think about when I was 26 and thought, oh, I, I should be further along. There is, you know, there's just no manual and everyone has their own path and journey. And, you know, it's, it's just really important to, to stay the course and, you know, I, I try not to think about what would have happened had I, you know, just stayed the course back then, like where I would be now. I try not to think about it, but I can't help it. <laughs> but, you know, I'm quite sure I would be pretty further along, you know, yeah. um, you know, of course. So I'm, you know, just don't quit. Just, you know, when it, when the going gets rough and when you when it hurts, it's probably because you're growing. It's growing pains. So just just hang in there. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And, you know, one thing about stand up comedy and people in the entertainment business that have made it, you know, they're persistent. They're persistent and they're prepared. They've worked hard. Ooh. Yes. And, and prepared. That's good. That's good. Yeah, nice touch. They're prepared. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, interview with Jack White and Conan O'Brien where they're just having beers at Conan's house and they talk about the difference between talent and just working really hard. And Conan doesn't think there's such thing as talent. He thinks, you know, you're born with passions. And, and I, I feel I have the same philosophy. What is talent? You know, you, you develop talent. Yeah. With the passion, if you're really prepared, and when I say prepared, just do your homework. Just be, you know, j just really feel like, like as an actor, like memorizing the lines that sh you should know those lines so well just get that out of the way that that way the artistry can come out. And, um, you know, I think, and what, you know, th there's different ways of being prepared for, you know, comics and actors and uh, musicians, but if you're prepared, you're not going to be as nervous. And so you're going to have like more liberations to become that artist and to just like really let it flow. And whatever happens is that's going to be the momentous moment. I mean, that's going to be the moment that, you know, that euphoric moment that we all, that, that's why we're artists, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we, we just want, you know, we, that defining moment of like, ah, oh, yes, I did it. It feels great. They liked it. They're clapping. <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> yes. So I'll have to check that interview out with uh, Conan and you said Jack White, right? Not Jack Black. My favorite. Yeah. Jack. Okay. Oh, did I say, yeah, did I say Jack Black? I meant Jack White. No, no, White. you did say Jack White, but I was just thinking yeah. comedy. I just wanted uh, oh, to yeah. make sure that I wasn't Googling the wrong thing or I something later Jack. on. Uh, but uh, I I agree with their statement, but I also disagree because there's some people who are just naturally 
more talented at things than others, but they're not always the ones that succeed. It's the ones with the passion that drives through to yeah. establish that. And it's, you know, the tortoise and the hare all over again. Agreed. Yeah. That's, yeah, agreed. It's, I, I think it's, you know, um, I think we all know, you know, that person that just had that natural ability you know, on an instrument or, you know, had the voice or whatever, but just, um, just didn't have the drive or, you know, just passion or ambition and developed a crack habit. Yeah. That's really what I wanted to say. How many of those, (laughs) right. (laughs) I can name like, I can name like 10 off the top of my head, but yeah. I mean, people that just go on the wrong path and, you know, um, it's, it's too bad, you know, but yeah, there are prodigies for sure. I mean, yeah, fuck them. No, (laughs) here we are, you know, you know, having to put in the work hours and hours and just, I mean, I've had like, I, sometimes I just go to my car after a set, a bad set and I cry. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know that like when you bomb and you're not listening to the radio on the way home, (laughs) That's always the indicator. It's like, oh, I wonder if I'll listen to the radio on the way home. That That's like, that's the indicator if I've done well or if I just really sucked, you know? Yeah, you're running through your head like, ooh, how could I said that? Or I, oh, God, I can't believe I said that. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm, or like, we trip over your words at a serious spot. You're like, stupid, stupid, God. <laughs> no wonder you don't have friends. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Yes. So it's hard. So it's, what do it's you not do? easy. Yeah, it is, it is definitely hard. It is hard. It's not for the entertainment business is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> no, no, so it isn't. What do you do to uh, promote yourself? You know, I um. I have like developed a following on Instagram and I, I don't even know how it started, but you know, I just, I, I knew that it was important and casting directors were really on my ass about it. My agent was on, you know, starting to, you know, kind of hint that it would help matters if I had a bigger following. So I started investing a little bit of time and, um, and then I, you know, I, I have like a really nice interaction kind of Insta fam, I call them. And I promote, yeah, Instafam. And I, I promote all my shows on my Instagram and, um, and on Twitter as well. And Facebook is more for like friends and family, but I find that Instagram and Twitter are great for growing your brand, you know, with people that strangers that you don't know. So I've had like a lot of people come to my shows that I, I don't even know, but they, you know, just saw my flyer on Instagram so it's it's pretty cool. It's it's definitely, you know, um an opportunity today that that we never had in the past. I mean, we actually have the ability to grow our own brand and not not depend on you know, um a director or producer or you know, like it's kind of taking matters into our own hands. It's yeah. That is really cool that we can do that now. It's something that, you know, actors back even 10 years ago didn't necessarily really have, at least to the effect that we have now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So 
What do you identify with more? Do you identify yourself as a comedian or an actor? Um, wow. That shouldn't be such a hard question. <laughs> I would have to say There is that a right and a wrong answer, you know. I know. I I I want to be really cool and badass and say I'm a comedian, but the truth is I'm an actor who does comedy. Okay. And yeah, that's the truth. All right. So, the, the truth is the right answer, honestly. I, I can't really tell you you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> but uh, basically the reason I ask is because I want to know uh, when people see you on screen or even on stage as well, since I think it might be a close tie, what do you want them to take away from your performances? What do you want them to remember? Well... You know, I guess it would just be a segue from my previous answer about truth. And, you know, I, I just want them to see a genuine person that's telling um, a little vignette and like a slice of her life, you know. And and so I really try every single joke, every single premise set up and punch is true in my set. And, you know, and I... I have a joke where I say I'm not funny enough to make it up, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, because it's just a trip. You know, this life is really, um, God, it just has so many, it's, it's just such a roller coaster and, um, and it really is kind of fascinating, you know, the life of a creative. And so I just kind of give a little snippet of my life and, and put it in that formula, you know, and, and hopefully they'll just remember someone who is, um, you know, a, a hard worker just trying to just trying to make it in life. That is uh, definitely a good uh, a good thing to take away. Honestly, that seems to be a good uh, key throughout this conversation. Be honest with uh, your audience. Be honest with like yourself. And you know that inexperience has put out a lot of good art. In in all honesty. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I, you know, I was really impressed with uh, <laughs> Selena Gomez. She, I don't know if you saw the American Music Awards. I did not. I, I was like busy clipping my toenails. Yeah, I don't blame you. It was, <laughs> I thought it was on my Hulu and I just needed some, some background noise. And um, I wanted to catch up and, you know, see who was, you know, see, I actually, I wanted to see Lady Gaga perform because I am a fan. But Selena, little Selena, I shouldn't say little. I'm well. She's like five foot tall, you know. So I guess I can. Selena you can say yeah, tiny Selena Gomez. She's tiny, tiny Selena Gomez um, accepted her award, and she was. She said, you know, that for the first time in her life, she's she's being honest, and she's really exposing who she is to the world. And she said, "Girls, I don't want to see your naked bodies on Instagram. I want to know what's going on inside inside your heart." I, she just, oh, she just melted my heart. I, oh. I just was so, I just thought, what a profound, deep statement from, I mean, I, she's like 22, 23, maybe younger. And, you know, that's, that's, we need more, we need more people like that in this industry. No, and, you know, that's like a good message, even for old broads like me, you know, <laughs> I mean, because we forget, you know, it's, it's, I think people of all ages, of all, you know, I mean, it's just important to be honest and to be really be true to who you are and then success will follow. Usually, I hope. 
Yeah, yeah. And I did notice she didn't tell like me not to put my naked self on Instagram. Well, you know, you can still do that, Aaron, if you want. And I can. They, they take them down. They get reported. <laughs> oh, they do? <laughs> Good to know because I uh, yeah I was worried about all those nude photos that everybody has of me so that's good. I know they're they're <laughs> out there they're out there. All right, so Sarah, how do you uh, promote yourself? Um, I promote myself via social media. Um, I have um, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, and my handle is Sarah J Halstead. S-A-R-A-H-J-H-A-L-S-T-E-A-D. All right, great. So you have it all across the board, all the same? The board, yes. All right, great, great. So um, you mentioned earlier as we were talking that you like Instagram for because you get to network with people all across the world. Is that correct? Yes, I have a, an international following, which is so cool. Um, and then Facebook is more for um, existing contacts and and just keeping in touch with family. And Twitter, I find it's just kind of a great rant for politics, big <laughs> things. But Instagram is really just meeting people and just having contact with different, you know, cultures and. I just find it to be really fascinating. I love Instagram. All right, perfect. Before I get to the last question to ask you today, um, what do you have going on? You already We already got your social media from you. It's Sarah J. Halstead all the way across the board. Uh, yep. But what big events do you have coming up where people can come see you? Um, I have a fundraiser, a comedy show that I'm producing, and I'm going to be the MC at Flappers Comedy Club Burbank on December 8th at 8 p.m. in the main room. And every single penny um, made from this show is going to be donated towards the Flint water crisis, my hometown of Flint. And I'm going to personally deliver the check to the fundraiser in Flint, Michigan, the following week. Um, Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And the lineup, every comic, I have uh, nine comics, including myself, so 10 of us total, and we're all from Michigan. And it's just a just a phenomenal, phenomenal lineup. These comics are just some of the best in the nation. Oh, cool. Yep. So and and that's in L.A., right? That's in L.A. at Flappers Comedy Club. And then I'm going to be in Michigan over the holidays. And I have a show at um, uh, Sunday Funnies in Grand Rapids on December 18th. And I have a show in Novi, um, Michigan, on December 23rd, both yep. at and what part of the glove is that in or the mitten (laughs) yeah exactly so novi is in the thumb and grand rapids is uh the west side of the mitten (laughs) okay all right so i know where you're at now (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) all right all right great and you can get all your show information on your website which is sarah uh, sarah j com. correct yes that's correct yes all right, now it's time for that final question, Sarah. Sarah J. Halstead, how do you live uncontained? This is the most awesome question. And I live uncontained by waking up every morning and doing a little happy dance, a crazy dance with coffee in the mirror, and just reminding myself that this is my show. You know, we're the director of our own show. And if we don't like something about our life, we have the 
we have the power to change it. And, um, yeah, life is short. So live it to the fullest. And, and that's how I live uncontained. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, couldn't have said it any better myself. I just have <laughs> one more thing left for you to do before, uh, before I let you get out of here. And that is sign off the show. Would you do me the favor? I would love to sign off. Um, I want to thank you. Uh, not that I really would love to sign off. I could talk to you for hours. You're a blast. <laughs> and this was a lot of fun. And I love what you're doing. And thank you for highlighting artists. No problem. And thank you for coming on the show. It was just a phenomenal experience. And I hope that everyone continues to live uncontained. And that's a wrap for episode 42 of Uncontained. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. I really enjoyed the conversation with Sarah J. Halstead. And if you are in the L.A. area on December 8th, as we talked about in the show, the Stand Up for Flint benefit is going on. And you should should stop by. It's Sarah J. Halstead and nine other comedians. There's more info on her website, sarahjhalstead.com. All the comedians that will be performing will be linked to in the show notes. We have some exciting news right here on Uncontained. We are now available for listening on TuneIn Radio. Yes, you want more platform for you to listen to us, but make sure you rate, review, subscribe, and share us on your favorite platform, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and now tune in radio. The best way to spread the word is for you to get the word out there and share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, live uncontained. <laughs>